Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I wanted to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code, you just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to IndiePrintCo.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th, so head on over there today and check it out. Burnout. I don't think I've met a single photographer that's not experienced some level of burnout, including myself. While burnout is most likely inevitable when you've been doing one thing for some time, there are ways in which you can ease, avoid, and manage your burnout so you can quickly get back to the inspiring art of photography that sparked your passion to begin with. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down with motherhood photographer, Kelly White. Kelly brings to the table years of experience and insightfulness, especially on the subject matter of burnout. Now I present to you episode number three of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about burnout today as a creative, and I think this is probably the season of burnout for photographers, and so Mm -hmm. I think the topic is very appropriate. But before we start talking about that, I just want you to tell everyone about yourself and your family and where you're located and what you shoot. I'm Kelly White, and I am from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I'm married. My husband, Matthew, I have three kids. And they are ages 12, 9, and 6. So I'm right in that, you know, middle motherhood time. And I've been shooting young families, motherhood focus, mainly newborns for a few years now and love what I do. That's awesome. How many, how many years did you say you'd been in business? Well, you know, it was kind of like a trickle into business for me. We actually, um, I started taking pictures many years ago, just for family and friends. And then really it was right before the pandemic when I decided, Hey, let's make a a legit business out of this, which is a great time to start a business. (laughs) Right. Uh, And that was kind of maybe fall of 2019 is really when I decided to, to do it and to niche down to just doing really newborns and young families. So I joined the motherhood anthology in, I think it was like January of 2020, just kind of hoping to learn a little bit. And it was just the right timing because as everyone knows, things shut down in March and I didn't do a lot of shooting for a while. So I really got to pour myself into the education content and the community in the, in the motherhood anthology community online, which was super helpful for me. I feel like for being able to establish a really good core for my business when we were able to start going out and shooting again. Good deal. Did you say you have a studio? 
I kind of have a studio. I have a home studio. Okay. Um, okay. So it's a bedroom in my home and we are getting ready to build and it'll be another um, place in my home, but with a separate entrance and much larger. So I do some studio. Mostly I am on location. Okay. I feel like you are the queen of on location photography, like in people's homes or even outside that is so perfectly stunning and so consistent. Like it's, it's really impressive to be honest. Thank you so much. When when we see your images, we know it's you. And that that's how you know that like, you've really established your style and your brand. That is literally the best compliment that I could get. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) So how many, how many sessions are you shooting? Would you say on average a week? Yeah, it, it really varies throughout the year. And I, you know, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I really guard my time quite a bit. Right. Like I said, I'm a mom of three. I'm also a special needs mom. So I have a lot of things that I want to get accomplished at home. So I'm really trying to take on only four to six clients a month. It has ended up being a little bit more than that this year, (laughs) especially summer, fall time. And I also mainly focus on newborns. And so I want to leave room in my schedule for people to have babies late or early and for me not to be shooting, you know, four times in a week if everybody has their baby at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that happened to me earlier <laughs> this summer. So yeah, I, I really that four to eight sessions in a month. Range. That's your happy place. That is. When I um, kind of was preparing for this, I Googled creative burnout. And it's mm-hmm. symptoms of creative burnout, physical and emotional exhaustion, feelings of detachment, feelings mm-hmm. of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> right. I call that feelings of inadequacy, the um, I suck syndrome. Uh-huh. That, uh, I go through about um, once a year and I think most creatives do where, you know, you're on Facebook or Instagram and you're looking at everyone else's work and it's, I suck, I suck, mm-hmm. I suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, then I know it's time to take a break. It's right. time to rest. Kelly, I don't know I've, if you know me, but I've been in the business for 20 years. So wow. I think that's the beauty of like, wisdom age with wisdom with age or how that goes mm-hmm. that you kind of learn the pattern and you go okay it's going to be fun um <laughs> I've been here before I know what this means I'm tired I need to refresh or find something um that that inspires me and gets me excited to shoot again uh, I think we're all we've all been there and talk about that talk about um have you are you feeling good this time of year are you are you feeling yeah. any burnout yeah, I am. I, I definitely am. I'm, I am feeling burned out right now, but I think that's more about my personal life versus my work. You know, I said, I've got kids that have a lot of responsibilities that need me at home. So I think, um, when I think about burnout, it's an overall energy management symptom, right. you know, burnout is such a great word to describe exactly what happens when we empty all of our creative energy out, we don't replenish ourselves. So I was, I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, we literally extinguish our spark, you know, and as artists, I think that's really difficult for us. You know, you go around and you hear people say all the time, it's like common vernacular in our culture to say, I'm so swapped. I don't have the time or yes, let me squeeze that into my schedule. It's all um, time focused. We evaluate our capabilities in terms of time, but it's not, it's not really true because 
I might say, I don't have the time to edit one more session, but I spend the same amount of time binging the crown, <laughs> you know, <So> time, <laughs> yes. is, time is concrete and energy is abstract. So what I really yes. mean is I have the time, but I don't have the energy. This is so, true. Mm -hmm. so we get in trouble, I think, as creatives, when we say yes to responsibilities after we evaluate our time and not our energy. My mind is blown. My, right I'm blown. My, yeah. like, oh my gosh, that is me. That is my life. I feel guilty because you have the time, mm -hmm. but you really don't have the energy. And like, I right. don't think I've heard somebody like explain it that way that like, just because I do have the time and sit to sit and watch Netflix for a couple hours mm -hmm. a night. That doesn't mean right. that I can spend that time editing a session for a couple hours that same night. Exactly. Exactly. The energy output is a lot different for each it of us. It is. Um, I'm, and I'm literally like already renewed and we're five minutes in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what my, my big realization and theme this year is all about energy management because that's exactly it. I, I can spend the same hour doing something that fills me or that drains me or that's an energy neutral. And so when you learn to evaluate your responsibilities in life based on that, then you're able to better fill your schedule. We live in this culture that glorifies busyness. Mm -hmm. It pushes and makes you feel important if you're hurrying around and frenetic. We don't put any focus on energy management. That's so true. So we've got to. <laughs> yeah, that's genius. Well, tell us how you got so wise. How did you come to this? <laughs> how did you come to this realization? And like, oh, yeah. where do you have a, a story where you were at the end um, of your rope, so so to speak? Well, and I don't, I don't feel I am wise. Um, so maybe that's the hallmark of wisdom is when you're when you recognize <laughs> what you don't know. Right. Um, there's a lot that I don't know. I think I'm just. I'm a cerebral person. I really think through a lot of things. And so I'm constantly analytical about And it's funny because I'm in such a creative profession and I have that part of me too. So just learning to, to balance them probably has brought me to this place. And it's just, I've been forced. I have this intersection between personal life and work responsibilities. And in, in our work, we take on clients months in advance, you know, so we have to be committing to things far out in the future without knowing what the rest of our life is going to look like at that point. So I've had enough times just in these few years where I've made some mistakes. You know, I said yes to too many things during a time that later on my family needed more of me, you know, or I've said no to things when I'm emotionally swamped at home. And then later on, things clear up and I have all this space and time. So I think my experience has just been trying to, to do that dance, that little dance in life of anticipating what future will be like. I mean, every, you guys know the last few years, that's been hard to do <laughs> as mothers, <laughs> as, as Americans, as people in the culture that we're in, you know, it's, it's hard to anticipate always. <clears throat> Totally. Hey, Kelly, I'm going to jump in yeah. really quick and ask you if you've heard this quote or have heard of this person. Have you heard of okay. Trisha Hersey? I She's haven't. Okay. So she is the founder of the NAP ministry and sees rest as a revolutionary way to push back on the obsession with productivity in the U.S. And this was her oh. quote. 
I judge success by how many naps I took in a week and how many times I told somebody no, how many boundaries I upheld. Oh man, I love this woman. I'm, a huge, I'm a huge proponent for napping. <laughs> I nap several times a week. So I'm not a napper, get but now I'm like, I think I need to start napping. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it is sleep so important. You know, we don't, we don't value it and um, we don't always get it at night. So I'm more productive really in a day. If, if I'm sitting there and I'm tired, I'd rather take that little nap, yeah. even if it's short and then be able to come fully committed and in to my work, than spend the whole work day tired. I love that. You know, and especially the past decade or so of like everything's hustle, hustle, hustle. And like, you know, the glorification of busy, like you were talking about and like, really like that is not a badge of honor. Like, yes, we need to hustle and work hard to get our businesses off the ground. Like nobody is saying, don't do that, but there's gotta be a point where like, you're not just busy, busy, busy all the time. Like that's Mm -hmm. not, that's Mm -hmm. not the goal here. (laughs) Right. It's really got two sides of the coin. It goes along with what you're saying. It's the guarding of yourself and the filling up of yourself. So it's that you have this well of creativity in you and you have to both guard it and fill it up. And, you know, when you're focused on both those things and yes, you're going to be working, you're going to be putting your all into what you're doing. We're not advocating for, you know, pulling back and, and not being fully involved in your work, but you have to guard that space as well. Tell us um, about how you set this up in your life and your business. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. I It comes down to two main words for me, margin and inspiration. So we can talk about margin first. So I want to take you on this little metaphor, thinking about books. I'm talking like a real printed book. And if you're imagining what that looks like, you've got this margin on the top, the bottom, the sides. And so that margin makes it easier to focus on the text, easier to follow along and process the information. You know, the overall impact of the message is clearly communicated. Can you imagine reading a book in which every square inch was covered in letters? It, it would feel overwhelming. It'd feel cluttered. You wouldn't know how to find where you were. It's harder to understand the main point. This idea of margin in a text, we bring that into our lives, into our work. That's super important for me. So margin for me looks like, oftentimes it's a literal time buffer. Time buffer for me is that I, well, with very, very few exceptions, I do not work outside of school hours. I do not work nights. I do not work weekends. So I've had to adapt and become you know, an expert at shooting midday. So I applied myself, I learned and studied and, and actually I prefer that now. So I prefer the results I get when I shoot midday over a golden hour at this point. But that was all set up originally because I'm guarding my work time and my lifetime. And I'm giving this literal time buffer or margin in between my workspaces. I love that. Makes that. Sense. Also boundaries. I think that you have to evaluate and create boundaries we use that word a lot. It's going to mean something different for everybody, but I don't want to just have this podcast be like giving this, you know, broad overview words. I want these to be real things that everybody can implement. Last year I was doing fall sessions 
a lot. I had all these families who had newborns that I'd, you know, shot newborns, done their newborn sessions, and now they wanted family photos. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to say yes to everybody because I love my clients. I truly believe I have the best clients in the world. And so I wanted to, to do it and make them all happy. And everybody wanted their session in October. And in Arkansas, first week of October, all the leaves start changing. And I'm just going to tell you, I think it's ugly. I don't like shooting in the (laughs) fall. I love bright summery greens and um, clean, you know, colors in the pastel kind of Mm -hmm. vibrant, but pastel palette. And so, yeah, oranges and brown just don't do it for me. So I struggled. I struggled through editing. I spent way too much time editing all these sessions last year. And I said to myself, next year, when everybody says, I'm ready for that fall session, I'm going to say, well, here's my August and September dates. By the you know first week or second week of October, I'm no longer going to shoot outdoor families. And I held to it this year. And I- Good for had, you. Thank you. I had a, <laughs> a very- good and busy September. And now my October is relaxed. I love that. And it gives you time to fill up that cup again. It does. And it means my messaging is clear. You know, I can produce consistency and high quality work that I love without cluttering the output with sessions that I don't. So it's just like that, that margin that makes the text more clear. The message is clear. That's amazing. And those, those sessions like October on that you don't love, Mm -hmm. you probably weren't putting your all into, and they were just draining you. So like, why do them? Right. And then you start, was it Kim that was saying that, you know, it was the, I suck mentality. It's like when you put (laughs) something out that you're not into, you're not going to love it. And then you're going to start, it's going to erode your sense of confidence in your own self as an artist. When I think it makes you like start to question yourself too, when you really shouldn't be, it's just that you are Mm -hmm. working on and producing something that is really not true to yourself or your brand or your business. And then it it makes you wonder like, am I, am I fraud? Like, when are they going to figure me out? Right. And (laughs) so, but really that's not it. It's just the fact that if you step outside of like what you are comfortable with creatively, then you're stuck working on something that you don't love. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. If you step outside of your wheelhouse, it should be because you're looking for inspiration and not because you're doing it for somebody else. And that is, that makes all the difference because it's authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're authentically Mm -hmm. looking for ways to experiment and, you know, succeed or fail or learn and try, and it comes from you, then you're going to love what you do, even if it's a failure. You'll learn from it and you'll be fine with it. But when you do it for somebody else, when the locus is outside of yourself and you're trying to please somebody else or feel like you've got to check these things off, it's not authentic and it will be lifeless. Mm -hmm. So what does inspiration look like for you? Inspiration for me looks like model calls. I know that in our industry, people say, do model calls a lot at the beginning of your work and then... And then we kind of drop off and don't do it. I do model calls really not so much to pad my portfolio, but as a creative outlet for me, it's a huge thing that I love. I do a model call session about three to four times a year so that I can create without pressure. Mm -hmm. 
one thing that Kim told us years ago is that she learned that with every session, she should photograph something for herself. And Mm. I've carried that with me because, you know, a lot of times, especially after you've been doing this for so many years, you get in that workflow and, you know, even though the images, you could sit, you know, three different families down and give them directions and all the images would look different because they have their own spin on it. But you still have that workflow where you know what you're going to produce from each session, like taking a breath, taking a moment and photographing something for me as an artist has really helped to like keep my cup full because, you know, the same workflow at every single session can really lead to just like a dull in your creativity. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I'm going to, Kim, I'm going to steal that and I'll do that (laughs) From now on, I love that. You know, I really like the idea even of the end of the year, taking all of those images from your session and just doing something with them for you, printing them out, putting them in, you know, something and just looking back through. Anybody here know about the Enneagram? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Gosh, I'm embarrassed to admit this. You know, it's like you're always embarrassed of your own number. I'm an Enneagram three, but I'm always on my guard against wanting people to like me too much. Right. So I put so much pressure on myself to, to be liked or admired or, or whatever. And so model calls for me, allow me to let go of that. Like I'm not here to give someone else a product that, that they want. And I don't fall into that trap of trying to please that person or Mm -hmm. change myself to adapt to what somebody else wants from that session. So it's fully mine. So it's kind of like what you said, that little one photograph per session for yourself. It's kind of that on a larger scale for me. It's a whole session just for me where I can work without any kind of pressure that I can, you know, try something totally new and be free to fail, or I can give wild direction and someone just kind of like has to follow what I say I have complete creative control and so it's just for me and these are actually my favorite and most well-liked sessions of the year you know these are the sessions that get picked up by publications and that people are loving on my Instagram feeds and so that also builds in, maybe this is the next kind of segues into the next part about inspiration, builds in confidence into myself where I can be the boss. So I can trust myself to be the professional, to be the expert, um, to lead my clients and to give them this beautiful storytelling product. So when I don't feel like I have to play it safe, because I'm fully behind myself as an artist. And I know that's, you know, still a bit of a work in progress, all that ebbs and flows, I think for all of us creators. But um, when I can do that, then I can show up and take charge and be behind every inspired creative choice that I make. So what do you think our businesses would look like if we treated every session like that? And I mean, could we get away with that? Honestly, like I, I think, I'm working um, towards it. You know, I think we all probably are. It gets in the way when we are running this business and we feel like we've got to check the boxes. I know Mm -hmm. I, um, I had, he's a 
actually, uh, I wasn't even aware of him, but he's kind of a big deal in the wedding world until recently. His name is John Dolan. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Yeah. He's a celebrity photographer. I think he photographed um, Martha Stewart's daughter's wedding. And oh, wow. Um, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> the goop girl. What's her name? Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Paltrow. That, the last wedding, her last wedding. And um, we had invited him to come to our film workshop and he wasn't able to come. He's, but we um, had an, a really great conversation on the phone. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to be in the wedding world and I've shot, you know, 400 weddings. And I said, but, you know, no more burnout. And he mm. said, um, well, you know, he said people get burnout because they start shooting weddings the way they feel like everybody expects them to, or the mm -hmm. way that they feel like their competition does it. So they have to, to do it that way. He said, um, the way you, you keep that from happening is you, you do, you do it your way. Just because everyone else shows up at nine and doesn't leave till 11 and shoots 4,000 images and you don't have to do it that way. He said, I don't do it that way. I show up. I don't have an assistant. I bring two cameras. I sit down and have dinner with the bridesmaids. I get everything I need to get to tell the story. And then I hug everyone and say, I've got it, guys. I'll see y'all later. And I walk mm -hmm. out the door and he said, the people that are good with that, that enjoy my work are going to hire me. And the people that don't aren't. And um, he said, I love what I do. And I thought, you know, we could apply that to all kinds of photography. Like, and I'm just as guilty, like, you know, through the years you see it, not, I'm not calling it a trend, but like you see the people around you doing something, you feel like, oh, I, I have to do it the same way. And it has to look the same way. And I have to offer the same things. And we kind of mm -hmm. get caught up in that um, competition trying to be everything for everybody. But if we really just treated our sessions like model calls, or if we, we shot what we wanted to shoot and delivered what we wanted them to have, it, I think it would be so exciting to see what happened, you know? Yeah. I, I really agree with that. I think that someone has hired us because they need us to tell their story. It's you as the illustrator. You're the author of this. And so you have this deep responsibility to them to channel your own creative impulses and direction. And if we're always, like you said, comparing ourselves to others or doing what we feel like should be done, then we're not being honest with our own creative process. And that translates and they won't get the very best of us, which is the very best of them. You know, actually this week, I think someone posted in the, um, the TMA group about their question was like why they had a great uh, sale and they were like, oh gosh, I wish, you know, every sale could be like this. And I'm just like, they were just so nervous and just didn't have a lot of confidence. And I think if we just all stepped back and looked at it like you know people hire us because they they see us as the artist and like they want what we offer or they are mm -hmm. like you know they've watched our work and maybe they had to save up or maybe they planned for this but they wanted they wanted what we do I realize they're coming to you for your opinion of what it should look like of what they should wear of what you <laughs> should shoot you know they want you to be the the expert 
Yeah. I do think a lot of times like photographers are so afraid to put that out there and say like, no, I, I recommend this. You should do this. And this is why we do this. And that leads to, um, clients not fully trusting you and not getting the best out of you. And you're not Mm -hmm. giving them what is authentically you truly. It only helps the client and yourself to be happy with what you're doing. Right. Getting back to just inspiration in general. I also heard someone say um, one time, like when they're feeling burnout and they're looking for inspiration that you should always look outside of photography. So if you're just kind of like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm tired and I'm not feeling it. Um, find something else that it, that inspires you that's not photography related, be it interior design or art or, you know, whatever that is for you. Yeah. I find that helpful too. Do you have a love that's artistic, like that you're that beyond photography? Yes, I, I do. I do. I think that when I feel burned out, I bake. It's not pretty. I mean, I don't, I try. I don't have the patience to, to decorate things really well, but I love, it's a creative outlet right, for me. Absolutely. It's to take these ingredients and to make something delicious from it. And it uses my, my, my hands, my head, my heart, all of that putting into it. And it's something that I can do with others too, because that's another important part of inspiration for me is, is community. So my kids love to come in with me and bake and we will sit, you know, we've done this since my kids were little. Now they're like too big to be sitting on the the big kitchen Island, but they still will. And we will just be cracking all the eggs together and pouring in the flour and doing the things, making a huge mess. And it's not always, it's not always perfect. I mean, this is not, I wouldn't bring a photographer in to come and take pictures of this and it wouldn't be (laughs) amazingly beautiful, but it is, it's rich. The reality of it is that our hearts are creating together. And then we get to, at the end, to savor it together. We get to look at what we made and literally consume it. And that's, that's that. a real beautiful part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jenny and Allison, do you have a hobby outside of photography? Well, since moving to Asheville, we are able to grow anything here. And that was not the case in Houston, but I have a green thumb actually. So wow. when I moved here, I um, bought a bunch of uh, dahlias and all these beautiful flowers. And I was convinced that I was going to have a cut flower garden and I do now. And so I'm able to like cut these big, beautiful bouquets and bring them to neighbors and, you know, new families that have just moved in. And my mom gets one every time I see her. So it's been really nice. I, that's, that's what I sort of love doing. And then, you know, my son, he planted a little winter vegetable garden and being able to do that with my kiddos. And often they're the ones that are bringing the bouquets everywhere. It's been really nice. You know what I love about that too, is that you have like short-term and long-term gains there. You know, you have the, you can go out and cut the flowers and do something right then. But then you also have this long arc of creativity where you see that the fruits of your labor are even months from now coming still. Let's talk about outsourcing. Do you currently do any outsourcing? How do you feel about that? Because we, the three of us, I know are kind of all over the map with that. Um, right. would say Kim outsources a whole lot. Allison outsources, you know, in the middle. Um, and I am a non-outsourcer. So tell mm-hmm. us kind of where you fall in there, what you think about it and what you're doing. So I put that up there in particular because I knew it'd be a great thing to discuss in 
you know, with multiple photographers here, I don't outsource anything right now. Um, but that's more because I've just decided for my entire business to be smaller scale so that I can Mm -hmm. manage less things and just be more present with my family. So I've chosen instead of instead of taking on more, but outsourcing, I've just chosen to take on less right now. But I know for a lot of photographers out there who will be listening, their businesses are bigger. They'll do more sessions. And so outsourcing, it can be a huge benefit. When you go back to that idea of energy management and everything having an energetic value, there are some things that we do that just cost us more. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's blogging, or whether it's the social media interaction and posting, whatever that is, some things are going to be high energetic output with very little return. And so those are the things I think if you were strategically to sit down in your business, don't evaluate things based on how much time they take you, Mm -hmm. but go through and see what are the things that are an energy drain for me. You know, and one, one thing that I realized like early on with outsourcing is that before I did it, I had this like thought of, well, I have to just be able to afford it monetarily. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be paying for, you know, whatever I'm outsourcing, say blogging or social media or whatever. But really what it comes down to is like you said, Kelly, like the, the energy that you gain back. And also the fact that really, if you're outsourcing the correct things, then you they pay for themselves multiple times over because it frees up you to be able to do other things that are actually making the money. A hundred percent. I love it. Love it. So tell us, tell us about being the boss and like how you have boundaries in your work life and, and, um, personal life and all of that. Yeah. My degrees are in psychology actually. So I have my undergrad and master's degree in psychology. And so I'm, of course, I'm like super interested in all that. And so a lot of reflection on my own self and just what my strengths are and then where I need to grow. And especially in my business starting out, an area that I really needed to grow in was like confidence in my work, in my process, in my output, all of it. Just not trusting my own self. All of that causes this paralysis a little bit and doesn't allow your creativity to flow and to grow. So just kind of shedding that people pleaser mentality and trusting myself was important. I'm not doing things that I don't want to do. I am 100% a people pleaser. And I think that that was probably the hardest thing for me as a business owner is to realize that like, they're coming to me as the professional and I can outline what I am good at and I don't have to be good at everything. It's mm-hmm. really hard as a people pleaser to say no, but you realize when you do say no, you open up space to be really good at what you love. Absolutely. Most people in our industry just do more to make more. And instead, right. when you give yourself a high value, then you can value your product and make more, but still say no to things that you don't want to do. You're not in a position where you're having to say yes to make money. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So I feel like that brings us to a really great last question for you, Kelly. (laughs) So we want to ask you, what does success mean to you? Success to me does not have a numerical value or even very many tangible metrics. But success to Mm -hmm. me is going to bed at night at a reasonable hour, (laughs) feeling (laughs) proud of the way that I showed up for the people in my life that day. So that's always my family. You know, did I show up for them with a spirit of love and patience? Did I show up for my clients today, giving them my full creative self? You know, did I show up for myself today? So those things, if I can reflect back on each day and, and it's going to change some, you know, it's going to ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. Some days we don't manage that balance. Well, (laughs) some days we do, but success looks like most days going to bed, feeling good about the ways that I've invested myself into others that day. So I know that's super vague in terms of my business. It's not like, I love it. No, okay, that's it's... not that's not vague at all. I think that that's something that people may not even realize that they were striving for, but you just put words to it for them. We have loved having you as a guest here. Thank on you. The podcast that I mean, I don't know about you, Jenny, but that I feel like a light <laughs> has been lifted for me. I I actually have a, I have a um a stylish well you know I'm just shooting for fun tonight and I mm. feel like that session's going to be so good because this yes. was like <laughs> I mean it filled my cup so Kelly thank you yeah I can't wait to see amazing. what you create good. yeah <laughs> well thank, thank you. you so much and we appreciate you being here and um bye bye, bye guys wow I'll be going over my notes from Kelly's discussion for quite some time I hope you felt as inspired and encouraged as we did after hearing from Kelly. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like even more support in your photography business, check out our membership over at themotherhoodanthology.com. Registration will be open November the 4th through November the 11th and will be closed until we reopen enrollment next year. In this membership, you'll have access to our amazing community, tons of educational tools, exciting new monthly content, access to guest educators, and much more. Membership is only $45 per month. To register for membership or learn more, go to themotherhoodanthology.com. You may also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Motherhood Anthology. I'm going to close with one of my favorite quotes from Dolly Parton. Don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Thank you for joining us today. From our lens to yours, until next time, friends.